What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Views from the Sideline. Uh, today, I'm joined by Aiken Range, as always, and we have Mitch on the podcast today. Um, today is going to be an interesting podcast because we've had a few really interesting things happen in the NBA in the last couple of weeks. Uh, first, we had Donovan Mitchell. He was traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, he So how the trade went overall, we had the Cleveland Cavs. They received Donovan Mitchell. And the Jazz received Colin Sexton, Laurie Markinen, Ochai Agbadi, uh, Agbaji, uh, three unprotected first-round picks and two pick swaps, um, and just a little bit of you know some of the money. Um, he's on the second of a five-year, one hundred sixty-three million-dollar deal with the Cavs uh, for Donovan Mitchell, and then Colin Sexton signed a four-year, seventy-two million-dollar deal with the Jazz. So. The Jazz decided to keep him. And then Rudy Gobert, Dominic Mitchell, Quinn Snyder, they're all gone from the Jazz this offseason. So, you know, it's going to be weird how they're going to be next season. And then the Jazz have first seven first-round picks in the upcoming drafts. Um, so, I mean, overall, what are, your, what are your thoughts on this trade? First of all, I have to say, it was, like, completely out of left field. Like, I did not expect him to go to Cleveland, like out of all places, like people were saying the Knicks, they were saying Miami, there even some people were even saying like Washington or something. Um, and of course, you know, the Lakers, they always got to be thrown in there, but nobody was saying the Cavs, like the Cavs have, I feel like in general in trade talks, the Cavs have never been there. So to see him, to see him go to Cleveland, I was just like, that's so random, right? Yeah. But I think overall it was it was a good decision for the Cavs because now they have a backcourt of Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. Then you have Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, um, and like, let's say like Isaac Accord to fill out your starting lineup. Oh no, Evan Mobley, sorry, to fill out your starting lineup. And I, that's a really strong lineup in my opinion. You have two, you have three all-stars there. Then you have Evan Mobley, who was arguably, you know, right up there with Scotty Pippen for rookie of the year. Maybe he should have even won it. Um, but, and then Karis LeVert, who's, who had a strong season in Indiana. So that's a really good lineup there. And then their bench also is quite deep. So I think for the Cavs, it was kind of a no brainer. Yeah, I was going to say, I think they did a really good job with it that they gave away. I think feel like it did come out of left field, but I feel like they were a team that had like the resources in order to do a trade like that. And you based on like what they gave away, they were able to give away like a Colin section, a piece that was probably more of an experimentation that they really weren't going to follow through with anyway. So I feel like it was a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a low risk. And, you know, they also gave away like Laurie Markkinen, but Laurie Markkinen, I feel like it's, it adds he adds, he adds height to wherever he goes, but I feel like besides that, he wasn't really going to find a place amongst all the other seven footers on that Cavs roster. So I feel like, like I said, they kind of got rid of a lot of pieces that you know maybe they weren't going to really follow through with anyway. And draft picks are draft picks, and I feel like it was pretty fair compensation. Yeah, I mean, looking at the Cavs roster, like at first when you know I heard about the trade, I mean, obviously like what Aikman said, it was like so random. Because you kind of thought about the Knicks, Wizards, and all those other teams. But then, and I thought that their bench wasn't developed because, I mean, obviously I didn't, I didn't really watch the cast too much. But then I kind of looked, and, you know, as, as I'm looking right now, like they said their starting lineup is going to be something like there's Garland, Donald Mitchell, Yvonne Mobley, Jared Allen, and like Isaac Okoro. But then on the bench, they have Karis LeVert, who was a huge asset to the Pacers, and then he got traded to the cast. You have Kevin Love, who's who's a really good veteran there. You have Dylan Windler, who's, you know, he's young, but he's getting there. Shetty Osman is doing really well so far in his career. Um, and then you just have some of these other, you know, small role parts. You still have Ricky Rubio, uh, I think, or maybe he got waived. But you have Robin Lopez, who's a good big man. Raul Nato, who's a good three-point shooter. So 
you know, you have a really balanced team and, you know, especially with, with your bench, if you have a strong starting lineup, I mean, obviously you want your bench to be developed, um, which personally for me, I think we discussed it earlier in a few, in a few of the early episodes, how the Timberwolves after the go bear trade, their bench isn't as developed. So they need to work on that. Um, and then you've had more teams just like the Warriors and the Raptors and all those who have made like good bench decisions and you know, have developed their bench. Um, so like overall, I, I know it's a little bit early to tell in the season, but if if you had to choose like a like a, like a list, like to, let's say top six teams in the Eastern Conference for next season, who would it be? Okay, I think I think it's pretty obvious. Some of the, some like I think the Celtics will probably Celtics and Bucks are going to be their top three easy. Um, don't worry, I'll get to the Raptors, Celtics, <laughs> Bucks, and then let's say no, actually I'll start from the bottom from the bottom. So, so like the six seed, I think like the Bulls are probably going to be there at around the six seed. Then at five, probably the Raptors again. Um, four, I'm seeing like four and three. I think it's either going to be like the Cavs. Actually, ooh, it's actually really hard. You know, I'm going to push. I'm going to push the Bulls out of the top six. I'm going to put Raptors at six, the Sixers at five, Cavs at four, Miami at three. Uh, Milwaukee at two, and then the Celtics at one. Like that's a really, really strong East. First, I have to say, first of all, like every one of those teams is really good, and I think like the top five teams there, like you know Sixers, Heat, Bucks, Celtics, and Cavs could all compete for a championship. Um, like at least on paper, we'll see how it actually goes out. But I think that I think that's that's probably what it's going to be around. I think the Cavs could like jump up even higher. Um, like even earlier this year, they were they were up there. They were like a top three seed at one point. Um, but then they obviously got injured and Mobley went down and they had issues there. But like, I, I think they could definitely be top three possible. I mean, I, I remember. Say, you know, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Like I say, as a 44 win team last year, you got to think that like healthy plus adding another star, it's definitely a win now move that I think could put them up into a, into the 50 win category. Yeah. Because like the more you think about it, you didn't mention those top six, but then you have the Bulls, you have the Hawks, you have the Nets. Like the Eastern Conference is so like I remember like three years ago, like you had the Warriors winning everything, and it's like oh come on when will when will the East actually become strong and LeBron James won't be making the finals now, like if you had like LeBron James and the Cavs, like and let's just say they didn't have like Dominic Mitchell or something like that, like the, like the like the Eastern Conference would be so much more competitive. Like you you have everybody who's on the West who's on the East, or you've had guys in the East like Giannis or Embiid who have developed so much, like being a, such a superstar. All And the Western Conference is also pretty stacked. So the, the league is just becoming more and more developed. Like, although some players like LeBron or Steph or KD, like they're getting older, they're also getting better. Like Steph Curry is like considered like top five all time, maybe. LeBron, he might be the GOAT next year if he surpasses Kareem and maybe gets another ring. Um, like, it's definitely like this season could be a, definitely a game changer for a lot of like uh, NBA history. Yeah. I, I feel like the league is like a lot more balanced right now because in both conferences, there's a lot of teams that you kind of see like, Hey, they have a chance to make the Western conference. They could make the finals. They could win it all. Like, I think, I think in the East, there's clearly three teams um, like right now that we know of that can compete for a championship. That's the Bucks. That's the Celtics and the heat. Um, Cause that's obviously the last three finalists also uh, for the East. And then, on the western side i'm thinking warriors i'm thinking suns and i'm thinking someone like even the mavs honestly um we'll see with that but 
Uh, I just think the league is a lot more balanced, which I really like. And then also, can we talk a little bit about the Jazz and kind of what they're doing um, with this trade? I think that signing Colin Sexton was was good. He's a young player. He obviously just came off an injury, but he's been pretty good before that. And the Cavs kind of he didn't really they weren't going to use him in the future because they already have Darius Garland, who's proven himself um, to be an All Star in this league. So they don't really need Colin Sexton also. But I think for the Jazz, who are going to start rebuilding, who are have clearly, you know, are rebuilding because they're shipping on everyone. I wouldn't be surprised if like Bogdanovich is gone by next week. Um, but like, I think I think it was a good choice to sign him. And I think that this, I think they're probably going to go for the number one pick um, this season. They're going to tank. They're going to be awful. Probably like 14 seed or something. They're going to try and get Victor Wembayama and build off of him. Um, that, that's what I think is like their perspective on this trade. Yeah, because with Bogdanovich, like, I mean, you were saying that, like, yeah, he, I think Bogdanovich actually does, like, I, I think I saw something on, like, Bleacher Report or from one of those, like, NBA reporters that, like, the Jazz are trying to, like, trade, like, everybody, not just, like, the, their superstar, but they're trying to trade, like, Royce O'Neal or something, and, like, you know, Bogdanovich, and, like, they already traded away, like, they trade away um, everybody else. So the Jazz are, yeah, like, I mean, you're right. Like, the Jazz are going to be, like, the worst, one of the worst teams in the league. I, I, I'm, I mean, even the worst. Like, I think at this point, like the Jazz are just trying to like rebuild, and um, you know, next year hopefully they can get the number one pick. And I think they're gonna be like on a similar track of like a team like the, like the Magic are now, right? Because the Magic they had like a few really good players, then then they became bad, and you know, when the Magic became bad, they got Paul Bonchero, and they're kind of building off of him now. So. You have superstars, you get rid of the superstars, you might suck for a year, and then you get the number one pick. So I think that's what, you know, the Jazz are trying to do right now. Like what you said. I mean, yeah, it's the, it's the pure and simple definition of cleaning house. They're basically wiping the state clean. They're starting new. They have all the tools that they could possibly want in terms of the draft picks that they've got. And um, I, I think you could almost look at kind of the Cavs. They were in kind of that purgatory like several years ago before they ended up getting – or developing guys like Darius Garland, guys like um, Evan Mobley, they traded for Jared Allen. And I think there might take probably the same kind of trajectory as a team like that, maybe in three years or so, if they start to find those guys that they can build around that maybe they can trade for pieces to accompany them, just like the Cavs did. They maybe start with two players and then start to add more. And then maybe like they end up using some of those resources that maybe that they don't like those draft picks they don't end up using maybe if they like what they've got flipping them again for you know pieces to accompany the stars that they find and i feel like they're setting themselves up for success but then again draft picks are always hit or miss and it's not something you really like to see because it's not immediate results but i feel like there's a very good chance that they could be they could turn this around in about you know three years and yeah and, I, I think they, yeah. yeah, and I think they just saw that like there wasn't really there wasn't anything going for for the core that they had. They had Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Quinn Snyder. They like they tried to bring people on. They brought Bogdanovich on. They tried to have you know people like Royce O'Neal as their you know that three and D player. They tried to build a championship contending team uh, around these two guys, but it just didn't really work out. Uh, maybe if you want to even go back as far as like Gordon Hayward and Rudy Gobert, they traded away Hayward. Um, so that they could get that Donovan Mitchell pick and, and go from there, and um, it just hasn't really been working out since, like, say, 2016 or so. And I think I think six years is a long time to wait. So I, I think this decision kind of had to be made. They're not just going to like keep paying Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell like 
I don't even know what it is, like 60 million together total um, per year, just to, you know, lose in the first or second round of the playoffs. You know, they want to see some progress um, from where they were. So I, I think it was a good decision in the end to trade trade those two players. Yeah, because exactly. all of the... Many... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, just <laughs> Sorry. a little thing. Yeah, too many teams get stuck in that category where they're just kind of like they're scraping by. They're kind of happy with these mediocre results. And some teams need to flip that switch to start over. And I'm glad that they did rather than sticking with it. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, I think with the Jazz, like, like, like Rich said, you know, like they weren't like, they, there wasn't like a season where they spiked, right? It wasn't like the Blazers, like they made the conference finals. Okay. Other they got stopped by the Warriors. Like, they made the conference finals and made a big run, the feed of the good team. Like, the Jazz, like, were just like a constant, like, first or second round team every single year. And in the, in the bubble, I mean, yeah, they choked their 3 1 lead, but, like looking at the Jazz roster right now, just to go a little bit more in depth, like the Jazz still have, you know, Jordan Clarkson. They have Colin Sexton, Malik Beasley. They have Taylor Horn Tucker, Jared Vanderbilt, and Akil Alexander Walker, Rudy Gay, Mike Conley, uh, Stanley Johnson, uh, Hazan Whiteside, Warry Markin, Bogdan. Like they, like their team is not, it's not like trash. Like their team is actually decent. Like I'm not saying playing. I'm not saying like I'm not. I'm not saying they're making a make the plan, but they're not. They're not going. They're not going to be terrible, right? Like I think if I'm looking at like the main guys on this team right now, Jordan Clarkson and Colin Sexton are probably the main guys. Um, so trying to like really revolve around those guys, and if they do trade away Jordan Clarkson eventually, I mean, good for him because he's you know he won six man of the year. I mean, he's been like he's had a really good career after you know his like you know rookie season with the Lakers. So, yeah, that's what I think about the Jazz. Um, yeah. yeah, and I don't know. I think, like, someone like the Lakers, kind of talking a little about them, they should try and trade for, like, Bogdanovich um, just to get him out of – because obviously the Jazz are not going to – they don't want they don't want someone like Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich is, at this point in his career, he's he's there to, you know, assist a championship contending team, be, be kind of that, like, three or four power forward or small forward that shoots the ball well and kind of – can score in, in bunches. Um, I don't think he's going to be helpful on a rebuilding team that's trying to that's trying to lose games and get a top pick next year. So I think like someone like the Lakers, maybe even like the Warriors who lost a little bench depth, should try and you know scoop Bogdanovich up for you know a cheaper price because he is available. And Jazz definitely don't want to keep him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I think at the end of the day, the Jazz are just going to go into a full rebuild, like. Sure, oh, yeah. that, that was obvious when when Quinn, yeah, when Rudy yeah. Gobert got traded. Yeah, there's no need to keep like now that I think about, there's no need to like keep all those like role players in your team when you know it's not gonna like give you a humongous asset. So, yeah. and they did like the rookies that they did get in return. They got Walker Kessler, who should be a great defensive asset. He's a shot blocking machine. He's got pretty much arms like a bird. Um, and then they got Ochai Agbaji, who I liked watching in Kansas. He could be a great. Uh, three and D threat for them. So they got guys that they can start kind of build around. I don't know if they're necessarily going to be star players in the future, but they definitely got role players in return that they could start developing and maybe use with the graphics they have in the future. So it's not like they got, you know, peanuts or they got aging players. They traded for guys who are going to eventually help them. Yeah. And then as I mentioned, like they have seven first round picks, I think in like the next three years or something like that which is which is absolutely insane like they could easily they, they've picked from all sorts of teams and yeah those teams are probably going to be pretty good like the timberwolves and and the, and the Cavs. but you know picks are picks and getting more young players is what they want and they're more likely to find 
you know, people that, that are going to support their cast of, of players um, by having more first round picks. So I think I think it's just a good good decision by them to go into rebuild and really try. And they got they got a lot of compensation. So it, it wasn't like they just they just you know handed out two superstar players or star players, I should say. Um, but they got a lot back in return. Yeah, and and like in in the draft, like similar to like Donovan Mitchell. Like Donovan Mitchell was not a high pick, and you know came out to be a really good player. Like you could draft somebody who's like not a top ten pick, but like a, I don't know twentieth pick, and they can come out to be really really good. So you just have to you know notice how they play. Um, but that's just I mean every every NBA every NBA team does that. Um, but I think you know with the Donovan Mitchell situation, we can move on to. Um, Another big thing happening that has happened, Chet Holmgren, the second pick of the draft, is out for the entire season. Um, he was injured while defending LeBron James' layup attempt after landing awkwardly on, on his foot. He's out for the season with a Liz Frank injury. Um, and Sam Presti still stands with you know drafting Chet, like the GM of the Thunder, and he supported, he's supporting his belief. Um, I mean, honestly, I think that they, I mean, they should obviously they should keep him. I mean, he's not, he's a really good player, but yeah. I don't know. I mean, uh, I was like, after he got injured, everyone, everyone was like telling me that, like, oh, like, Chad Hungry is skinny. That's why he got injured. Like, he got bodied by LeBron and he like landed on his foot. Like, I don't know. There's some like criticism about that, which I thought was kind of strange. I mean, it does I mean, not. I... Yeah, sorry, but you can go ahead. No, no, go, go. I just feel like, yeah, it doesn't really do well for his public image. It, and it kind of reaffirms a lot of concerns that they had about him. And it's it's more important that the coaching staff obviously believes in him because they're the one that's going to be controlling his minutes and controlling his rehab. But it, it's probably not going to have a lot of like a whole lot of fans on his side. And I feel like a lot of people are going to give up rather quickly. Like, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily going to be like a season like a completely season defining move for that team. I think with or without him, they were still going to be, you know, just kind of getting through the season. But even, even so, this is not like, not what a player like him needed in terms of um, just kind of like his development and kind of squishing the doubts that, oh, yeah. that, that they had about him draft time. Because you're looking at him in the summer, like he was racking up like seven blocks per game. Like, you know, he already had the performances that he wanted. He had the motivation, like, like, although it may be kind of dumb, like, like when they asked him, who, who do you think the best player in the NBA? He said, he, he said himself in two months, like, although it may, although it may, although it may sound kind of dumb. It did not age well at all. <laughs> yeah. Although, although, <laughs> although it may sound kind of dumb, um, you know, he's so, I mean, he still has the self-confidence that you need in the NBA. I mean, if it was like, Anthony Bennett saying I'm the best player in the NBA when he turned out to be the worst player in the NBA. Like that's that's different. But you know, I think Chet will come out. It's, I think it's going to be something like like Zion. I don't think it's going to be where he's on like a like an, like an injury chain where he keeps getting injured. But I think it's you know like like Zion. He's going to start late. He's going to he'll, he'll you know have a good start to his career. And you know, in terms of the Thunder, it is a disadvantage because you know you're you're looking forward to you know the trio of Shea, Josh Giddy, and Chet. Um, so that's not going to be good. But then you also have you know Pokusevsky, who's also a, a good shot blocker, and you know reporters always compare him to Chet Holmgren. Um, so I mean, the Thunder just have to take this year as a stepping stone. I mean, it's going to be tough. It'll probably be similar to last year, to be honest with you. Um, 
Yeah. Actually, I don't. I don't know who they got in the offseason other than you know their draft picks, um, but I think that you know, yeah, OKC is going to have a good future. I know that, but it's going to be it's going to be tough for them. Yeah, I I don't think I think it's like it's kind of funny. Like the OKC and the Jazz are the two teams like competing for for the most first round picks um, in the coming years because both of them just got rid of their all their superstars and got a lot of picks in return so but i, th- I think both are on a similar trajectory I, I think okc was we're kind of expecting them to have like have a faster turnaround maybe not this season obviously but the season after maybe they'll make like the play-in or something but um we'll see i, th- I think both teams have very exciting futures and i don't know they're, they're both doing the right things they're they're kind of locking on them locking in on their like franchise centerpieces the jazz obviously are going to try to do that next season then they're just going to build around them and let them develop yeah I mean, the Thunder do have um, Jalen Williams, who got drafted. Um, actually, they have two Jalen Williamses, but they're both spelled differently, um, which is weird. But they have Shea, you know, Josh Giddy. They still have um, they still have Dort, um, uh, Lugens, Zort. They have, you know, they have they actually do have quite a few rookies in their team. So, and Derek Favors is their their veteran. So, the Thunder do have a super young team. Um, which actually is an advantage now that I think about it. Um, so, you know, you can, you know, this year without Chet, you can, you know, give the, those guys time to develop and to become better and, you know, to truly learn, you know, and have team chemistry and to, you know, learn about themselves as a player. And then when Chet comes in, just welcome Chet in and, you know, get it going, maybe make the playoffs or maybe not, or I don't know, but, you know, they're trying to improve year by year. So I've got a question for both of you in terms of this um, Chet situation. So if you were to place yourself in the shoes of an NBA GM or an NBA head coach, how are you feeling about your players, especially your young stars, your draft picks, playing in these camps, these mini leagues and stuff over the summer where, you know, they're doing it in these really packed gyms with not maybe the best like training staff and they're, they're experiencing injuries, like injuries like these, or at least there's the possibility of like that. Would you possibly feel comfortable, like, you know, talking to them and holding them out of them stuff? Or, like, are you just going to let them, considering it's the offseason, just let them do what they kind of do what they please? I mean, not being biased as a Raptors fan, but if, like, you know, if you're, like, Scotty Barnes and Malachi Flynn, they played in a pro league together for one game. They played against amateurs who, like, okay, they're good at basketball, but, but they're not NBA level, right? So the risk of getting injured may be a little bit less. Um, because you're not, you know, being heavily defended and you're just having fun. You know, they scored like 90 points combined, so it's ridiculous. Like, but then if you're playing in a game, like, did you, like, it's not just. I think there's so many people that did not notice what happened in that game. Like, you noticed LeBron, and then you noticed Chet, but there, like, the lineups were crazy. You had LeBron, Jante Murray, Bonchero, Holmgren, Aaron Gordon, like one of one of the Bucks rookies. You had like I don't even. You had some. You had somebody else. Like you had. Like another star, like you had so many NBA players. This it was like an NBA game almost. Like you don't want to, you don't want your players to play in an NBA game, you know, before the season starts. So you want your players to be healthy, not to go through it. Okay, and the gym that they played in was bad. Like the floor was wet. They canceled the game after the first quarter. Like you know, so it's just that, that, and that was a dangerous condition. I think in LeBron's first game, without Chet, all, although it was really chaotic because it's LeBron. I mean, it's definitely a good idea because you know, for all the guy who all for all the people 
who can't afford to go to the NBA arenas and pay a lot of money to go watch them play, especially LeBron, because all his games cost more than like an average game. Like it's it's a good concept, um, but you, again, I think doing it in, a, in bigger places, not necessarily like gyms where you can probably see AAU games for like boys that are like 11 years old. And then the next day you see like an NBA game happening there. Like, I think going to, I wouldn't say an arena, but like maybe like a high school arena where it's not, where it's not like big, but it's not small too. Like you can fit like a few, like, I don't know, you know, I don't know. Um, for, yeah. for me personally, what I think is like, I, I don't think you need to like stop yeah. them because here's the thing. What's to say like, like if they're going to get injured, you know, off of like these jumps and the, and these, the landings, what's to say that it won't happen during the season. It's probably going to happen during the season. I would say, um, I mean, maybe the conditioning is better during the season. Like you're playing every day. So you're kind of used to the landings and jumps, but I feel like, um, if you're someone like, you know, if you're someone built like Chet, who's built, you know, so, so differently, like he's 185 and he's seven foot. Like, I, I think an injury is bound to happen for someone like that. So I think it's like a specific case. So maybe like you tell, let's tell someone like Chet Holmgren and tell someone like a Zion who, you know, there are concerns about the way they're built and how that, how that'll affect their health. Um, I think you can, but I don't think you need to go like tell Kyrie Irving or LeBron James that, you know, they can't play in a program game um, because they might get injured. I think it's just less likely. Wait, Chell Holmgren is 185. He, he's under 200. I might have said it might be 195, but like he's he's not. He's very light. He's like, not. Okay, light. that's like very light. Oh my god, I weigh I weigh 155, so that's like almost my weight. That's crazy. To, yeah, to put it in perspective, it's it's it's. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, he based on what you saw in the based on yeah. what you saw in the summer league, it didn't look like an issue but that's still a small sample size but also like like you never know because like in that game like the floors were wet i don't know if that's why but you know that could have also been a reason why he got injured i don't think it's because lebron bodied him and he fell on his foot or something i don't think it was that because everyone was saying it um but yeah his weight needs to be better uh because he's seven feet tall 195 i mean you're if you look at like i don't know somebody like Scotty Barnes, who's like six foot, I don't know, nine. He weighs like probably like 40 pounds more. Like I'm like a foot, almost a foot shorter than him. And I weigh like 30 pounds, 40 pounds less than him. So it's definitely insane, but he needs to, I mean, I think it's like, it, it, you you guys are right. Like Zion and Chet are so related because Zion is like overweight. It needs to lose a lot of weight. Oh, he's not overweight. Sorry. Initial. He's not overweight. But he's like he he weighs like he 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 needs to lose a little bit of weight. Shao Home Green is underweight. He needs to gain a lot more weight if he wants to be a like like Chris says Przingis. Like Chris says Przingis is a perfect example because although he's taller, he weighs a good amount. That way, although he does get he does get injured. That was he does get bad, injured too. That, that, that was that was, a, that was a bad comparison. Okay, all tall people have problems with getting injured. It's not my so I don't know. Uh, maybe Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid. Actually, Joel Embiid. Also gets no, injured. No, no, no. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. <laughs> I can't think of anybody. <laughs> oh my god! I actually, I was gonna say rest. Kevin Durant, but like not Kevin Durant either. <laughs> yeah, he got injured too. <laughs> maybe, maybe um, like Giannis. I guess Giannis is the best example. Uh, Giannis also did get injured a couple of times. Oh, Yoke. That, that actually uh, is a good example because Jokic does not get injured that much. But Jokic also doesn't like jump and dunk and run. Like, <laughs> he's, he's, he's not a flashy player. Yeah, he's a guy that I'm, plays to his size and exclusively plays as like as a seven foot, two hundred and forty five pound. And I feel like it's like 
Chet's play style versus his size, it definitely is something that he needs to have in order to be able to execute his strengths to the best of his ability, which is to be able to be like a seven foot guard. But you have to be able to draw a line where it's like, yeah, I've, I've got you because you're capable of doing these things on the court that not many other guys your size can. But I still want you to be able to play like a seven footer, like a like I want it's it's hard to be able to say, hey, I want you to play like both like both a Rudy Gobert and block every shot you see, and I want you to play like I don't know. Yeah, like as kind of like a a guard and be able to and it's I don't know. It'd be hard to look at that from a coach's perspective and be like, how do I get the most like the best out of like all of your abilities and try and manage your weight at the same time and find a good kind of um healthy balance that sees you excel at both positions but not get you know kind of pushed around and risk your risk your injury yeah i mean Jokic and i mean you go ahead okay yeah so i was just like one kind of one thing i think it could also be like a ben simmons situation or like a joel and beat or blake griffin situation where like you know how they all missed their first years, but then they came back and they, they played. Like, yes, obviously, none of these people are like the most healthy, like the most healthy careers, but they did come back. They were like full seasons. They were to contribute to your teams uh, more than they did like initially. So I, I think that's that's likely what's going to happen. Like, he's going to come back next season. He's going to be really good, and but he's always going to have injury concerns around him just because of you know how he plays and the way he's built. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you, I mean, Jokic and Chet are two completely different people. Like, Jokic weighs like a hundred pounds more than Chet at the same height. So, um, Chet doesn't need to go up to Jokic level, but you know, Chet needs to go to the point where he can, like, he can in the paint. He's like safe. He's not body. He's strong. He can keep himself, you know, balanced. Not balanced, but like whatever the what are the words? Like, he can keep himself in the paint and like he can like guard the big guys and. Like, I think that getting stronger will definitely limit him to, like, less injuries. Because if you're skinny and you're seven feet tall, like, just forget about the NBA. Like, as a, as a person, like, it's just, Play like, not – yeah, know. exactly. Like, it's, like, it's not healthy. So, like, he needs to definitely – I don't know if he even – he probably doesn't even eat, to be honest. He's probably one of those people who, like, <laughs> like he's, probably, he's probably one of those people who, like, skips dinner at night and just, like, gets, like, a like a, like a snack or something like that. I don't know. But, like – yeah, he probably I, just has he, a ridiculous BMI or not BMI. Um, what's it called? Um, metabolism. Yeah, he probably just true. burns more than us. He's probably someone who's probably hard to diet for in terms of like if you look at the team staff, it's probably someone that like you don't want them to like start overeating, but then you know, yeah, yeah, I got you, yeah, yeah, and then, um, and then. Yeah, I mean, with with Chet, yeah, I mean, the NBA is going to be awesome next season. I mean, from all the trades that totally. have happened, from I mean, although Chet's out, I mean, you've had you've having a lot of you know interesting teams. You have the Hawks now, you have the Cavs. So the Eastern Conference is making big moves this offseason. You know, those small role players that can make a difference are moving from team to team. I mean, actually, I didn't tell anybody this. Actually, I didn't even tell my own parents this, but I saw Steph Curry like in person like three days ago. He um so what? just just give a little bit of a background. So I go to a school in Charlotte, and I mean, okay, obviously I do, but um Grant Williams, who's a former Celtic, he went to my school. Like it's like a K through 12 school. And then the school across the street from us is called Charlotte Christian. 
that's like our rival in every single sport. And we had a football game against them last week. Steph Curry went to Charlotte Christian and he visited Charlotte Christian on the Friday that we played them in football. So he went to my school for the football game and I saw him there. Um, and, but he was super far away with like a bunch of people. And I didn't, I just, I couldn't go anywhere because that was like the opposing teams, like will place. And I didn't want to like get beat up by like a bunch of like, you know, like buff guys with mullet. So like, I, I didn't want to like do anything, but it was really cool. Yeah. And my That's friend put, yeah. But, um, yeah, I knew I, I was confused by who's in Charlotte. Um, but, but all other than that, I mean, um, thanks guys for watching this podcast. Um, it was fun to talk. Um, we, we haven't done a podcast in a few weeks. Um, but, um, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Um, we'll have a fun video coming up, um, the day after this video is posted. Um, make sure to like and subscribe, um, and follow us on our socials. And with that being said, we'll see you guys in the next one.